In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 379. That's right. Spooky episode. But uh, before we <laughs> before we get into the spooks, we're going to hit you with news as fresh and as fast as we can possibly get it to you because it hit today. A lot and we of already... stuff hit today. This has been a – I would have to say based on the last 24-hour period, this is probably one of the busiest – in you know pop culture, especially of things we normally talk about on the show, there's been there's a lot of stuff that we're gonna as we get into. But yeah, it's kind of been an interesting, especially the last even just the last eight hours. There's a lot of stuff that's come out. Oh yeah, for sure. So you guys out there are are hearing this on Thursday, which is ear- earlier than you usually do. You usually hear these on Fridays. Uh, Thursday, October thirty first, twenty nineteen, for Halloween. That's because we'll be covering DC House of Horror number one. And Secrets of Sinister House, isn't that right, the name of it? Uh, Secrets of Sinister House, uh, number one, um, and both of those issues uh, from DC to cover some Green Lantern spooky stories that we haven't yet got had a chance to get to. We had already planned on recording this today, Tuesday, October 29th, as we record this. But before we could even get to the mic, massive Green Lantern news dropped. Uh, so we have to talk about it, and this is from the article specifically on Heroic Hollywood that Mark shared with me. During their Investor's Day presentation, HBO Max has officially revealed that Greg Berlanti is working on a Green Lantern-inspired series for the streaming service. This comes off the heels of an earlier report that HBO Max was expected to produce major DC projects with a hefty budget, similar to Disney+. Plus. Green Lantern is one of the only DC properties that hasn't had any movement as of late. You're telling us. So it makes (laughs) sense for them to develop something for the streaming service. Uh, They explain what Greg Berlanti is the mastermind behind and all of his other previous works. But Greg Greg Berlanti had this to say on the HBO Max series. And what promises to be our biggest DC show ever made. We will be going to space with a Green Lantern television series. But I can't reveal any more about that just yet. A Green Lantern Corps movie is currently in the works at Warner Brothers with Jeff Johns on board as a writer and producer. <laughs> Full, de- <laughs> Full details on the Green Lantern Corps movie are being kept under lock and key. You're telling us. Uh, hey, because be- there are no full details. Unlock the drawer. There's, a, there's an empty file folder with dust on it. Though the project will draw inspiration, interesting, from Jeff John's work on the New 52 Green Lantern comics, 
with both Hal Jordan and John Stewart set to appear. Greenland Core is one of the many projects currently being developed by Warner Brothers and DC. Those projects include the Batman, the Flash, standalone film, Black Adam, Shazam 2. Odd that those are still two different films, but whatever. Supergirl, New Gods, and Nightwing. So, the biggest news here, obviously, uh, other than the fact that they're doing one, is Greg Berlanti himself saying, in what promises to be our biggest DC show ever made. That just could be hyperbolic, but... It's the sliding scale, too. We get to do two constructs per episode! <laughs> Make them count! Uh, um, man, I, I'm excited. I, I, obviously, this whole this brings up the, uh, all right, what do, well, what streaming service are you going to pay for debate? Yes, uh, another, that is another issue. The, the the idea that, uh, you know, hey, will this also be on the DC Universe uh, app, uh, so on and so forth. I'll say this. I know some people out there have given me hell in the past for, like, you know, thinking about subscribing to some of these shows, but also still buying the physical Blu-ray copies that come out when they're actually released. But the more and more these streaming services come out, the more I'm looking sitting pretty on my side of things by actually purchasing these these series on Blu-ray. Because when I go into my digital account and check out Vudu, you know what's all there? I've got Titans and Doom Patrol from the DC Universe app. I've got Krypton from Sci-Fi. I've got the CW shows, and they're all digitally in one spot. So who looks ridiculous now? <laughs> I'm not even going to touch that one, Chad. <laughs> Uh, no, but I'm I'm excited for this. We've been saying for a long time, you and I, you know, and 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 I don't think I don't think we should have to, you know, withdraw any of those statements that. It seemed like DC just didn't give a shit about Green Lantern. Now, a massive, um, a massive project like this is obviously something that's not like they announced it today because they just got out of the meeting and agreed to have this. This has obviously been in the works for a while, and obviously in today's culture, we always want you know tell us everything that's happening the minute it's happening, uh, even if it's only a rumor sort of thing. So this has been happening for a while, but. Um, Still, uh, you, you can't help but say about time, right? That's true. And to be fair, the, the rumor about this show was had been out there for a while. That this is not the first time we had heard uh, a Green Lantern. Even though that show, when we first, when we last left the rumor mill, and only time will tell whether it's true. I think they were were at least reporting that, or the rumor was that maybe the show was going to revolve around Kyle, which I kind of really don't want it to be true. But time will. But if they do want to, if they do want to conveniently keep us away from Hal and John, because that thing about the Green Lantern core related to the New Fifty Two was related about the movie. It actually so that uh, it says full details on, the, like you said, on the on the Green Lantern core movie are being kept under lock and key. Though the project's going to draw inspiration from the New Fifty Two and focus on John and Hal, which we kind of knew that the rumors were to begin with were that Hal and John were going to be the focal point of the movie. So they could try to stay away from them for now in the show. So, so if you did Kyle and or Guy, that would not be the worst thing known to man. But this, but this rumor has been out there for a while that it was just and that it was attached to HBO Max. And and yes, it is it is cool. It's absolutely cool news. There's no doubt about that. But it does create, like you mentioned, it's it's a it's a problem because much like much like you had to. 
the beta and VHS wars, and much like you had the the high definition uh, physical disc war, the that Blu-ray one. That now we're entering into the streaming wars, and only time will tell if whether one one streaming platform survives, or probably what will happen is two, maybe two major ones will survive, and all the other ones are going to be gobbled up. Because you mentioned like your WBDC thing, that one's probably based on. I doubt that one's going to survive based on the way it's the start that it's gotten. So I don't think that one will survive on its own. Maybe it'll be bought up by something else. HBO Max has a problem because HBO Max, and I, and I don't even know how that's going to work. I don't know like if you're going to get if people who have HBO can get like a, are going to be allowed to get a, like a discounted or, you know early subscription to it. I who it's so far down the road because it's not supposed to come out. To, I think to May, not supposed to come out till May. That we don't know a lot about it, other than the fact that they are supposed to be charging 14.99, which is pretty high mm. in the land of the streaming services. I think they're supposed to have an impressive catalog of crap. But still, now you're, you're starting like six months after Disney Plus, and you're starting from like like three times the price. Yeah. So that's 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 a problem for that. We have to see how it's going to be available. We have to see what else is on it. But every streaming platform has its issues. I mean, Netflix's biggest issue is that they're they're losing their advantage that they've had up up until recently in, in major first run movies. Disney Plus has a huge catalog, but Disney Plus also was not maximizing their – they're not doing a great job at maximizing the amount of subscribers they could get because they are – by all accounts, they are not going to have a, a, a Disney Plus app ready to go for Samsung smart TVs by the, by, by the 12th. So that means a lot of people with Samsung smart TVs, which is a lot of people, are not going to be able to stream Disney Plus directly on their smart TV. Nor is Amazon Fire Stick going to be ready to be able to support it and things like that. So – we know Amazon and Disney kind of uh, that that you could read into more because we know there was that issue a few years ago when Amazon stopped allowing you to pre-order DVDs and Blu-rays related to Marvel and Disney movies. So that might be something different. But the Samsung thing seems like, seems like a horrible misstep that you would think you'd want to have your app be available for as many platforms and as or many uh, TV brands and different ways of viewing as possible to roll it out. So that won't kill them, of course. But like for me, it's going to screw me. Because that's how that's how I would be able to watch it. Is I'm you know my only smart TVs are Samsung. Yeah. Um, so, so, I, I just got with related relation to the cost of all these streaming services. It's just it's bringing back a uh, a debate that that uh, that was had several years ago. I mean not that long ago, but you know in a pre uh, you know streaming yeah in a pre streaming world back when we really really had Netflix that had everything. You know, they, versus cable. yeah, they, they, they verse, you know, they, they give us a massive streaming service and that typically had everything. And then now we have this, uh, this, these streaming wars going on and it's like people diversification. Yeah. People are, uh, picking up their, uh, their, 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 they're dusting off the chest. They're opening up the, uh, opening it up and, and dusting off and raising a, a black pirate flag. Uh, so people like maybe not the best word to use considering, but you know they're, they're it's like it's like Game of Thrones for streaming. Yeah, they're 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 finding uh they're 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 firing up that pirate bay again. Uh, so uh and the other torrent sites that are out there. So yes, that's true. I mean, I'm 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 sorry. I, it's just like realistically speaking, nobody can 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 you know. If you're making smart decisions and, and 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 let's say you don't have a massive income, nobody can afford all of these. 
So, uh, you know, if, 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 if let's say HBO Max comes out and as much, they also announced a Strange Adventures, uh, series, which I would, you would assume would be based on, um, uh, on Adam Strange, but, you know, the, that's where uh, Dead Man first appeared as well, so it could be an anthology type thing. Who knows? I don't. I, I don't know. Um, but let's say, for the sake of argument, that Green Lantern was the only thing of major interest on HBO Max. But I've already made my decision to park my in terms of the amount of content that I'd be interested in to park my car over here at Disney Plus and go specifically for the package that offers HBO Plus with it and uh, ESPN Plus. Then okay, why would I? What what incentive does anybody else have for me to get that stuff? But I really want to watch Green Lantern. Well, I mean, I'm not gonna pay that much if you don't give diversify what you have. You you, you gotta in this day and age, it's like why launch a service um, without you, you you gotta look at your competition. You you have to. There's there's no other way. To say you have to know that nobody can afford all of them, so you have to up your catalog. Otherwise, why start the service? I, I don't understand why so many people are starting up these services and they don't have the catalog to back it up. I mean, is it is it really just is is it really just pure profit, or are there really no costs to starting up a streaming service? Otherwise, other than having a hefty server and having someone develop the app, like is that? Is that is there really almost no cost involved in doing it, and that's why everyone's doing one? I, I don't know what's going on. Speak, speaking of uh, HBO Max, I just kind of I saw this, so this is kind of beneficial for for our knowledge base. It says existing HBO subscribers and about 10 million AT&T customers will get the new service for free, <laughs> which will give it an eight-figure start in the race to close the gap with Netflix. So that answers. So that answers what that now. Now whether it's going to be free permanently or whether it's going to be free for a period of time, of course, that is yet to be. But that that certainly makes it a little more considering that there, that so many people do have HBO still. That that will at least give them that makes a little more sense from a business model perspective. Uh, and because it's because it's Warner Media, so you would assume war, there's going to be a lot of you're going to assume a lot of the Warner's catalog is going to be involved in the streaming service, which is probably another reason why that Disney thing, I mean, excuse me, that DC thing is never going to last, because you would think that's something that's most likely would be gobbled up by something something called Warner Media, which you assume is related to Warner Brothers. I'm going to assume that you would assume that would be something that would be be gobbled up at some point, but. Yeah, the reality is, the reality is, and some people have speculated that this could actually bring, give a second life to cable, especially when it comes from a movie perspective, because the pay channels are still going to be getting the movies that they're getting because they pay a hefty price to get those movies. So if you if you have a whole bunch of movies that you normally that back back three years ago that you could watch all these movies on Netflix, or you could watch 90% of them on Netflix and maybe have to, you know, wait till some of them became free on Amazon Prime at some point. And now all of a sudden you're getting like a, a third or less of those movies, which is, you know, which is a big thing for Netflix. Netflix is developing TV show after TV show, but they're losing all their first-run movies that they used uh, that they used to be able to you know, hang their hat on. Yes, uh, it's going to be very, very, very difficult. All these services have their pluses or they have their minuses. You are correct, especially in the land of now. On the other hand, it could cause people to say, you know, people could say, well, you know, I'm really not using my cable as much, so maybe I'm going to get rid of 
cable or, or or change my package and the extra money that I would be spending on my cable on my cable package all I can invest in this in this uh, platform or that platform personally like I'm not jumping ship off of Netflix anytime soon but I could certainly see somewhere down the road where if Netflix starts losing more and more movies and I don't mean and I don't consider for me I don't consider getting all these foreign movies a, a plus. I know why they do it. I know it also helps them overseas to, to get more subscribers, help balance out what they're losing probably domestically. But getting getting all these move, you know, getting all these Thai movies and these Indian movies, and, and it's not it's not something that I'm that really interested in. Just because, like I said before, oftentimes I'm, I'm multitasking when I'm when I'm watching Netflix, which means I want to be able to listen to stuff and not have to watch the screen 24/7. If something's in a foreign language and got sub and, and or got subtitles, that kind of kills that. I'm going so it, it narrows down my focus on it. So if Netflix continues to have less and less good movie, and they continue to have just tons and tons of their own shows, especially if they follow their pattern of not having those shows last for more than three or four seasons, I can definitely see there would be a time when that I when Netflix I could see myself letting go disney plus i want but they're not making it easy because they're not going to make it available for me to just download the app and freaking subscribe i would i would have already subscribed to disney plus if i knew that if, if they had an app for my smart tv but they don't so that's a negative and we'll have to see with hbo i mean it'd be cool if hbo max is actually if it's this is accurate and it's really going to be included with hbo subscribers because that means at least i'll be able to get, at least i'll be able to watch it but you're right it depends you're not gonna you're not gonna get one plot you're not gonna very rarely will you get one service or one channel just for one show, unless you like Game of Thrones, and we saw how that worked out, which will lead into another another couple of topics for tonight. But the reality is, yeah, eventually we know this is not going to All these platforms are not going to survive, and they certainly are not going to survive in the, the way they're being launched. Let's put it that way. There's going to be changes or swallowing up by other companies. Yeah. Yeah. Um- if you, if you guys out there are wondering why we're not talking about the contents of the show, uh, that's because it, it was just announced. They didn't tell us what the contents of the show would be. We do know that it's a Green Lantern series, uh, but we don't know if it's focused on the core. It's probably safe to assume that it is, given that it's uh, not uh, – since, since supposedly Green Lantern Core, the film, is focus, focusing on Hal and John, you would assume this would be more intergalactic and core-based. Um, I could see them doing that. I think that'd be really cool, especially given the fact that there's so much history you can explore with the core. I mean, hell, they made a TV series out of Superman's grandfather. So, and, and that actually turned out to be enjoyable, uh, at least from my perspective. So, I mean, given the content that they have access to at following really any point in Green Lantern history, um, even going back to Maltus and the creation of the Manhunters and all of that stuff, you could start really anywhere in the history of the Green Lantern and have interesting stories to tell. Um, so, But they didn't give us anything other than announcing that it was going to be a thing. So there's really nothing, even key words, to speculate on. Uh, the only thing to do is just say, hey, guys, this is a thing, and get excited. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's just a it's just a confirmation of something that we heard that we heard you know a few months ago. So it's good to know that it's actually going to be a plan, and it it looks like it's actually going to be a go as opposed to once we roll into some of the Game of Thrones stuff, which sometimes 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 a go is not a go, or something which you assume is a foregone conclusion blows up in your face. <laughs> uh. 
but yeah, so that 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 was that was like the latest news, literally the further last the last on the list of different things to talk about. But that was kind of the biggest anyway, and the most and the most topical related to what this podcast is really about. So, but- so so short of editing and releasing this the minute we finish recording, this is as on time as we've been with Green Lantern news ever before, and it's appropriate because this is probably the biggest Green Lantern news we've had in quite a long time. But well, we could split this. You could release 379 tomorrow. <laughs> we can release 380 on Thursday. <laughs> no editing. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's without a wire, people. We're going to crash and burn. Uh, All right. So uh, what's the other? So segue. Yeah. All right, so let's, let's segue into the Natch. These these things all kind of flow into each other. So we talked about the Green Lantern series, uh, apparently, well, getting greenlit. So let's talk about something that didn't get greenlit along with something in the same family that just did. So let's talk about Game of Thrones because up until now, the only Game of Thrones prequel that had actually been even greenlit as far as getting a pilot was the one that was supposed to take place like a thousand years before any of the – before any of the events in in the actual Game of Thrones series, if so, it was a prequel. It, it wasn't a big name cast, but they did have Naomi Watts, who I do love Naomi Watts. So they did film the pilot, and I think everybody everybody assumed it was a foregone conclusion that that show was going to be picked up. Uh, but that show was not picked up. They, uh, it was officially announced today that that original that, that spinoff, which I think that that was the long I think that was the long night, as if it's what the rumored actual title for that. Uh, prequel was going to be, but that rumor, the rumors on the, there, you can speculate a lot, but as we follow up with the second part of this news, a lot of those speculation probably isn't valid. They, the probably the most likely part of the rumor mill that's out there, the, the most, the, the rumor that's most likely true is the fact that they just weren't thrilled with what they got, that the pilot and maybe the direction of the show did not thrill them. So that so that is dead. That is it was dead and buried, and that came out in the afternoon. But then, probably like about an hour, maybe less than an hour or so, maybe if, if it was even an hour before we found, we stumbled upon the Green Lantern stuff, it was officially announced that there is going to be a Game of Thrones prequel, and that's actually been picked. It's not. It's it's actually picked up for the pilot, and I believe, and for the episodes. It's not just oh, we signed for the pilot and let's see. And this is the House of the Dragon. Which again, not surprisingly, but that title is based on the Targaryens, and it will be based on the Fire and Blood history, the Targaryen book that uh, George R. R. Martin just put out not that long ago. So he's going to be a what a producer on the show, and which he actually, in theory, he was he was uh, he was a co-creator and I think a producer. He was going to be on the other spinoff too, which makes sense. It's all his work, so it's not surprising. But this this spinoff is like a. Which I think probably is the most is the better way to go, based on the I think so. This will be basically you'll take us to the, we, depending where they focus this, it could take us all the way back to basically before the Targaryen before the Targaryens even come over to Westeros, or maybe that will be the first Targaryen we see. You know, is for the, so that's good. So that's that's kind of interesting. I think so. Any any speculation that you know maybe the Game of Thrones spinoffs. Oh, the, the one that we knew about, kind of like bought the farm, uh, because of either season eight or just because of lack of interest, either from the fan base or just maybe HBO is souring on the pot and the on the potential and the property. The fact that they greenlit this probably blows that theory to hell. But I thought that, but that's pretty, but that was pretty interesting. I thought. Um, 
What did you, what do you think before we segue into our final pregame top topic? Um, you know, if I were to be completely honest with you, I would say um, I would say honestly, both of those shows—the one that was greenlit now with the 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 Targaryen show, and then the one that was supposed to take that place a thousand years ago. Both of them ha- ha- held the same amount of interest for me, which was barely any. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I, my mind, you know, you, you announce a show, my mind goes like two or three places. Oh, where could they go with this? Uh, I would if if I were thinking up the the show based on the concept here, the top three things I'd like to see. But other than that, it's not. It wasn't like, oh my god, they're doing it. It's so cool. Um, sort of a thing. So. I really don't care either way, uh, just honestly speaking. Uh, and before we get too far away from it, I, I wanted to uh, let you know that over on Twitter right now, you can always see you know, the, 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 the trending tweets, right? So right now on Twitter, number eight trending is HBO Max, trending with hashtag The Flash and hashtag Green Lantern. I don't know when the last time hashtag Green Lantern was trending on Twitter. <laughs> so I just thought I'd let everybody know, not only do we have great news, but our big guy, uh, our big character, the, the thing we care about most here on this show is trending on Twitter in pop culture. <laughs> so that's cool. <laughs> and HBO Max is like at the top of the list, it looks yeah. like. So. so that's pretty. And of course, House of the Dragon is pretty high up on the list, too. Uh, I, I honestly can't say if any of the spinoffs really pump me up. Uh, I think maybe because they maybe because they done Daenerys wrong so badly that I am kind of curious to see more. To, I'm more drawn to the Targaryens. Maybe uh, I mean obviously I'd be interested in the Starks too. So those are the only families I really care about. I don't know. I'm cu- I'm I'm curious about it. Maybe it's the safer way to go to kind of, even though the thousand years before you know the events of Game of Thrones, you kind of were certainly distancing yourself from from the train wreck that was you know the end of the series. And there's no doubt that the much like much like our next topic that you know the enthusiasm for the brand uh, has been damaged by by by, re- by recent entries. That it's we'll have to see. I don't I. I don't know. I, I I think I think it's cool that that I'm glad they're going to have a spinoff. Obviously, maybe back in the day, if Game of Thrones ended better, maybe they would have had more than one. Maybe they would have they would have seriously because Lord knows there were a bunch of them being pitched. We know there were a lot of spinoffs that were being pitched for Game of Thrones, and and the one that the one with Naomi Watts was the only one at the time that ever went beyond the pitching stage to actually get to say okay, you know, we're gonna we're gonna give you the. We agreed we're going to greenlight the pilot. Give us the pilot, then we'll see, then we'll see if we're going to pick it up. So, um, I think it, I think that was just surpri- that was just su- <clears throat> surprising news. There was kind of there were kind of rumors that the whole, that the uh, Fire and Blood book was that Martin was nearing a deal, at least to maybe enter at least to enter into the same kind of arrangement that happened with the, with the other prequel. So that being announced wasn't a surprise. I think it was very smart on HBO's part to kind of like give you give you the you know, give you to the shot to the nuts first by surprising people with the cancellation of this at the same time then the next then they lift you up in the next motion then the other way around it's like hey pat you in the back then give you the gut shot so i think i think they probably they did a good job of leaking you know coming up going out on a high note for the day with the more positive news 
But we'll see. I I thought that was pretty cool that they announced it, especially because I think so many people were just shocked. Even if they even if they didn't have a great amount of passion for the project, it just everybody just assumed, oh, this Game of Thrones thing is going to be picked up. You know, it would it would kind of be like it would be kind of like. Not quite as bad, but it would almost be as bad as as Star as a Disney Plus ordering a Star Wars pilot and then just stop picking up the series. Not quite the same because they own everything, but still, it's it would be almost like that where it's like a foregone conclusion. But that was that was to me, yes, the Game of Thrones stuff is the least interesting. But it, but but it's a perfect segue between where we started and where we're end with with former. Game of Thrones showrunners Benioff and Weiss, not everybody's favorite people these days, and even worse after their performance down in your neck of the woods in that Austin uh, panel that they had when they just basically said, oh, we don't know what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, don't know what we were doing. <laughs> and again, if, since there's no recording of this, you don't know if there was like some if, you know, self-deprecation going on or they were just trying to be modest. But of course, without without any audio to support this, it does come. It, it does make them sound really bad. It's like, well, we just spun around a circle and threw a dart on the wall. It's like we don't know what the hell we were doing. We want to we want to make it as as non mystical or or myth or legendary and supernatural as possible. It's like, yeah, okay. But nonetheless, Benioff and Weiss, who were all set to do the Star Wars trilogy, which actually had release dates. And, and that contract was signed first. Now all of a sudden, not only are they – they're not doing this anymore. They're just focusing on their on their way overpriced but they're happy to have Netflix deal, But which of course opens the door to make you wonder what really happened behind the scenes because clearly – it can't just be the net, it can't just be the Netflix deal because they signed their freaking contract with with Disney and Lucasfilm first, so they are contractually obligated. So there's got to there's got to be more to it, and the whole spin that oh we're too busy with the Netflix thing, then you shouldn't have taken that deal. And Kathleen Kennedy and company wouldn't, even though they probably aren't happy. Well, they're not happy with the news regardless, even even if it was a mutual thing or even if they just – if she got rid of them like she gets rid of half of all the directors she hires. Uh, it still looks bad because it's yet another stain on her record of Jesus Christ. They can't keep creators at all because they, one hand doesn't know what the other hand is doing or whatever. But it's it's bad. It looks bad for them. I don't think fans are overly upset because of, because of how season eight ended. If this had happened, this had happened last year. I think people would be more upset because people were still thinking that they were so happy with Game of Thrones and were excited naively to see how it would end. Now I don't think people are, are as upset with this uh, because let's be honest, other than Game of Thrones, and this is where maybe some maybe their comments were not entirely you know self-deprecating. That Benioff and Weiss's track record before Game of Thrones was not particularly impressive, so. It's possible they did stumble into shit and did a really good job with it, especially when you know when they had source material and uh, and they. But I thought I mean I I wasn't a hater of season seven. Like some people didn't like season seven. I didn't have huge huge issues with season seven. I thought there were things in it I didn't like, but it didn't go off the rails for me until season eight. But with Benioff and Weiss now out, it raised you know you had a lot, big question about what that's going to mean for Star Wars. Uh, of course we. Episode nine is going to have a lot to say what's going to happen with Star Wars from a movie perspective. But they had friggin' release dates. I think it was 2022, 24, and 26. I think they had re- release dates for for the, all three of those movies, which were theirs. 
Not the Ryan Johnson stuff, and I don't think Ryan Johnson's going to be their fallback. He could be, but I don't think that's what they want to do. Uh, so it, it just really makes you wonder what, what, the, what the deal was. was. Was this yet another example of creative differences between the two? Of where Benioff and Weiss want, wanted to tell a certain story and wanted to take this in a certain direction. Who knows? Maybe it wasn't a good direction. Maybe this was an example where Kathleen Kennedy kind of quote unquote did her job like she really didn't do with Last Jedi and try to keep the train on the, on, from going off the rails. But either way, it doesn't look good for her because she's had this problem continually with, with, with directors and creative, uh, with writers and everything else. She's has a hard, she's had a hard time staying on, being on the same page with the people that she hires. So this does not look good for Kathleen Kennedy whatsoever. And for Benioff and Weiss, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe unless they, unless it's not just Kath, Kathleen Kennedy, maybe they really saw Star. Maybe they saw this as a no-win situation right now with Star Wars, especially coming off the crap they caught off of Game of Thrones and Star Wars not exactly being at, not exactly being at you know a, a fully cohesive fan base right now. Maybe they just saw that as a, it's almost like a, an impossible thing to succeed in, right? So they, so the Netflix. Or just because Netflix supposedly is a hell of a lot easier to work for because they let they let creators do more or less what they want, and that really is the issue. But that was a little that was surprising. I guess there were clues about that because we've heard things over the last few months about how originally they were supposed to be writing and directing, and it's like, oh no, you know, they're going to be producing and they're going to be they're, you know they're going to be overseeing, but they might not necessarily you know be writing and or directing everything themselves. And now you get this, so it's kind of a natural progression when these things get leaked. To try to maybe lessen the blow a little bit or make it sound less shocking, but the odds are much like you know the, the Ben Affleck not being Batman thing anymore. That a lot of these things are done deals long before they're publicly announced, even though there may be denials along the way. That used that both sides usually know that it's a, it is a done deal. So this probably is the statements that were made in the way it was handled was probably because they knew this was coming and they both tried to spin it in the best way possible. For sure. Um, I mean. When it comes to the Star Wars side of the things, you know, we, we talked about that just just last ep- last episode. But in terms of my excitement for all that stuff, but I don't know. I there's there's so much potential information about who you know who's at, at fault here, kind of like what what you were saying. But it's just like I I almost feel like these guys are just biting off more than they can chew and just not and and and, and not thinking before they leap. I don't know. That's just the feeling I get from it, but I don't follow that that side of the coin too closely. I mean, they could have. I mean, it could it could be where yeah, it could have been where where well, see, this is this is the part where you know it gets intriguing because even though I didn't really buy this, but part of the speculation was maybe the reason why season eight of Game of Thrones kind of sucked so much is because they were already in their mind's eye, they had already moved on to Star Wars because this is that's the next big thing for them. That was, you know, they had signed the deal. They were supposed to be doing a trilogy. Like I said, they already had release dates for these things. At least I don't. Well, they they have the years. I'm not sure if there actually was a full release date, but they they have the years. They, but either way, uh, the they it's just that was part of the excuse that people had speculated that maybe you know they kind of didn't they stopped focusing as much on Game of Thrones. Because in their mind's eye, this is you know this you know Game of Thrones is really over now. Now we can focus on on we 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 just care about this because this is this is our next big thing, and this just kind of blows holes in, in that theory because of the fact that obviously it's not their next big thing, and 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 it makes you wonder it makes you wonder if even if 
even if it wasn't 100% a done deal that this wasn't going to work out with Lucasfilm and Disney to begin with, it makes you wonder if they thought at the very least it was heading in that direction when they even took the Netflix deal. Maybe the Netflix deal was nothing more than a, than a backup plan for in case because of they thought this was not going to work out. And there's also and this is the other thing which is intriguing because obviously Netflix and Disney are like they they are like they are like uh it's like the Targaryens and the Lannisters here keeping our theme going that they are at each other's throats big time. They are those are the the, the big the big streaming titans going back and forth now. So obviously this is depending how it works out. On the surface, you know, you know, Netflix can pat itself on the back if they were really trying to get these creators, and it was a war over them. But then again, Disney had the contract; they had the contract with him, with them. So they wouldn't just let them walk if that was all there was to it. I mean, unless the contract got bought out, you know, unless they basically took, unless they were allowed to buy themselves out of the contract, or there was a, you know, there was a, cl- a clause in the contract would allow, you know, which allowed a buyout or, or a certain period of time. I don't know, but it, there's got to be more to it because they obviously could very well enforce their contract and say no. Certainly, if we're not going to let you go to Netflix, uh, so that's I it's 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 kind of intriguing on, on that level. What exactly caused it? Uh, I think be, the, some people have speculated as what you know because everybody believes, even though there's really no, there's no hard evidence of this yet because they never confirmed it that that the Benioff and Weiss trilogy was going to be a Knights of the Old Republic era uh, trilogy, which a lot of people want to see. So it's the, maybe there's truth in that. Maybe Kathleen Kennedy didn't want to go that route. Maybe it, she was fine with going that route, but the story they wanted to tell was – it's. so a lot of people – I think a lot of people are concerned that it might be that if that really was going to be the time frame they were going to do this trilogy, that maybe that's going to go to, go to pot now. But it also opens the door for Feige. Because we know, because Feige is supposed to be, you know, we talked about Feige doing a Star Wars movie and that, and that. So who knows? In a way, maybe that opens the door, because a lot, a lot of people also are speculating that Feige is eventually going to take over Kathleen Kennedy's job and just end up be running and running Lucasfilm. That maybe this opens the door for Feige doing a trilogy, or at least doing, a, doing a movie. The first movie being done now might be the Feige movie, which, in all honesty, probably most Star Wars fans would be more excited about anyway. At this point, than Benioff and Weiss doing a movie. Yeah, but I guess we're, but we'll have to find out. But it, but it really is interesting that all this shit kind of hit the fan like, like in the last like 24 hours. It's really interesting. It's that it's it's one of the bigger news cycles we've had like that with so many interesting, so many interesting things coming out and and it, and it, and not surprising. It's the way these things get released. It's like, it's like they released the new Mandalorian trailer, which was okay. But they kind of release that, and it's like, oh, let's get the Benioff and Weiss thing out too at the same time. So because we need to get this out before, like before probably Mandalorian comes out, and before uh, Episode Nine comes out, we want to get this negative story out so we can move beyond it. And the same thing to a certain extent is with HBO. It's like let's put the bad news out first in this case, and then let's go with the positive news. That yes, we're not picking up this show, but we are greenlighting this show. So the nature of the business, I suppose. Yeah. All right. Do we have any more news? I don't think we have any more news. There was something I did want to talk about, but because of all – which relates to something we did talk about previously uh, in the, about the Regal Unlimited stuff because I found some more stuff out firsthand. But based on all the stuff that we talked about today, I'll just roll that over to whatever to, – if we when we record next week, I'll just roll it over to that episode since we already had a healthy half an hour plus of 
of uh, news discussion. So. For sure. All right, so we are going to be talking about two comics. One that came out recently, one that came out, I believe, 2011, but I couldn't... I don't see a copy uh, right. Uh, I don't see. I don't see anything that tells me when this was when it came out. I'll look. For, I'll look for this. I'll look for the secrets to see when it. Okay. Came. Um. Oh shit. Maybe it was 2017, not 2011. Secrets of the Secrets of the Sinister House. No, no. The Secrets of Sinister House actually came out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, oh, that's all. Oh, you talking about the? I'm sorry. The other so ones you're talking. See House about of that. Horror number one. I believe it came out in 2017. Uh, it would have been. I would have had to have been October. Um, I said 2011 earlier for some stupid reason. Oh, I was thinking about the Green Lantern movie because of the news. Duh. Uh, 2000, 2007. Do you see House of Horror number one? This cover. This this. Let's make sure it's the make sure it's the right one. Um, let's click on this. Yes, DC House of Horror. It appears. Now, hold on. This this one says October 25th, 2017. Yeah, okay, yeah, this is the one we're thinking about. Yeah, so October 2017, DC House of Horror number one. There are a bunch of stories in here. Um, these are uh, – there's A Bump in the Night, Man's World, Crazy for You, Last Laugh, The Possession of Billy Batson, Unmasked, Stray Arrow, and the one we're going to be talking about, which is – Blackest Day. Now, Blackest Day is a Justice League story written by Brian Keane. Art is by uh, art is by Scott Collins. Colorist is Romulo Fajaro Jr. and letterer is Josh Reed. Now, let me just page over to it real quick. Uh, so I have it up. Um, we open up on the Watchtower, and for those of you um, unfamiliar, this particular version of the Watchtower is the one that's based on the Moon, not the rotating, not the uh, orbiting satellite. Um, and we're introduced to some dialogue by Constantine, essentially saying, "Hey, all the major cities has fallen, all the major teams have fallen: the Titans, the Suicide Squad, the Doom Patrol, Swamp Thing, the Challengers." Uh, even the night force, they've all fallen. Uh, it starts with a bite, um, you know, all this stuff. Uh, Superman's off world, uh, and he's essentially trying to contact Batman to tell him, uh, you know, hey, get your asses down here and help us out. Uh, wherever he is at suddenly gets interrupted uh, by everything that's going on. Uh, so before he, yeah, Constantine allows these, uh, we're, we're just going to call them zombies because there's no other way to describe it here. Um, before the zombies can get him, he puts a gun to his head and pulls the trigger, thus ending his transmission. We see zombie Flash kind of zipping around the room while Hal Jordan thinks to himself, why hasn't Diana changed yet? Is it because she's an Amazon? Is, does it only affect humans? What's happening to me? Am I going to end up like Barry? And you can see his uh, middle finger is missing on his right hand. Um, he is in the vents, uh, trying to figure out what he's going to do. We flash back to earlier when, uh, John Jones and Hal Jordan are on the watchtower, uh, just talking to each other when Barry shows up injured, saying he f feels like crap. Um, and then we cut back to the present, uh, and, uh, Hal climbing through the vents, uh, pops his, uh, head into the, uh, med bay to check in on, uh, it's a sick, it's a sick bay. What's that smell? It smells like something died in here. And he sees Bruce's dead body just as it slowly rises with his gut spilling out. 
Uh, he attacks Hal. He's not as fast as he normally is, so he uh, he you know hits him. Uh, he's you know, I, yeah you, no you don't. I've already lost one finger. There's a lot of cutting back and forth to what happened before versus how we where we're at now. All that stuff. Uh, Batman is essentially uh, telling Hal uh, earlier. Nothing he can do. Barry's dead. There's there's a virus killing him. Just get used to it. Cut back to the present, and uh, or, or we're still we're still there. Uh, right in the past, right as uh, Barry changes, we hear uh, Bruce say, "Easy, Barry, don't make me." And then he screams. Hal says, "Bruce," but before he can go check on him, uh, Barry zips into the room, chewing on something. We don't know what it is. Um, uh, but by checking uh, uh, now in the present with Hal fighting zombie Batman, it's very clear what he was chewing on earlier was a piece of, uh, of Batman's guts. Uh, so uh, he punches zombie Batman and his neck uh, breaks and twists his head all the way around. And he's like, oh, well, I guess that didn't work when Bane did it either. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great line. Um, so, uh, with Batman obviously being slowed and his head facing backwards, Hal gets out of there while he's bleeding. Barry chases him down. Um, uh, Hal is able to sidestep Barry. Uh, Barry, by the way, still has his access to his speed force, even though he's a zombie. Um, he notices that John is also dead, but John isn't, uh, turning either. So that furthers Hal's belief that this is a... Uh, an outbreak that is only affecting humans. He notices that um, Batman doesn't have his reasoning skills. He notices that though uh, Barry has his speed force, he doesn't have uh, his doesn't have motor skills, not his intelligence. Uh, Bruce determination, but no cunning. Uh, so um, he holds up his r- ring to try to deal with uh, Barry in the past. Barry bites off his finger. Uh, with his ring, uh, he gets pissed. He immediately starts feeling the effects of the of the 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 change happening. But he beats the shit out of Barry, reaches into his uh, Barry's guts, uh, and before he can turn, grabs the ring out, puts it on. He says, "In on blackest day, with friends turned foe, it's time for you and I to go. Uh, you want to eat my finger, Barry? That's okay. I've got nine more." choke on them and then we see the watchtower light up and explode as the story ends we have a narrative panel saying three weeks later superman returned home to discover that he was the last survivor of a dead planet again so that is the story from dc house of horror one from 2017 um what'd you think I liked the story. I liked it better than the other one um, that we're going to do. It's, I mean, obviously, as as a, it works just as a standalone zombie story. I wasn't quite the ending I suspected, but then again, based on where you know where, you know, what kind of book this is, you you, I guess would suspect you're going to get a little little more unconventional, less than you know predictable endings to some of these stories that you're. The concept was interesting. I I thought we were going to get a little more. You know, I was going to ex- maybe expound on those ideas a little bit more. But these these stories are so short. I guess you really can't do much with it. So I guess we we assumed it was a human only, from a turning perspective, that it was a human only thing that that would that would turn people into once they got killed into zombies and keep it keep it going. You know, and pay it forward. 
So, but it, it still was kind of interesting that no, like, n- that none of the, that n- none of the like other heroes or on Earth would be able to be would be able to deal with these. Yeah, it was interesting that they that that uh, that um, Constantine said that uh, Swamp Thing was affected by it. You wouldn't you wouldn't think that Swamp Thing would be, be able to be. I mean, I guess it depends which Swamp Thing are we going with. Yes. The, the, yes, I was I was going to say the man transformed if into if, a monster that makes sense. The swamp yes. that thinks it was a man that doesn't make sense. <clears throat> right. It de- it depends on which. On which Swamp Thing and which and how much of Alec Holland really is Swamp Thing, <laughs> corresponding with that. If you went with classic Swamp Thing, old school Swamp Thing, where Alec Holland just became the Swamp Thing, uh, then yes, you would that would that would make sense. Uh, and I guess you could try to make the case maybe Billy Batson or Shazam would be in the same boat because he's at least part of him's human. Yeah. His alter ego is human. But still, you would think there'd be somebody on. You would think there might be somebody on Earth that would. Uh, yeah, because he says ro- he says uh, Doom Patrol, and that includes Robot Man. But at the same time, Robot Man has a human brain inside of him, so that's something that could still get mm-hmm. infected. So I guess that I guess that still kind of makes sense, but yeah. But I mean, I mean, they're short stories, so you, you, the, you, there is some suspension of disbelief there uh, in terms of just t- trying to tell a complete story without. Uh, bungling up the logic. Um, I thought it was cool that he reached in there and pulled it out. I liked that uh, that Scott Collins did the art. Uh, I, when I, uh, I've, I've spoken to Scott a few times, not not recently, but uh, in the past for the show. And one of the things he said, you know, I, the first commission I ever got from him was the first commission I ever got from anybody, which was Deathstorm or Black Lantern Firestorm, uh, since Deathstorm wasn't yet truly a thing. Um, and but the second commission I ever got from him was actually uh, uh, Solomon Grundy because when I saw him at New York Comic Con, I said, you know what, Scott, you know, do anything that you would prefer as long as it's a DC character. And he really loves monsters uh, and the horror genre. So you know, just it, it, for those of you listening at home who haven't heard me say this before, if you're going to commission an artist to do something, so long as you're not being super specific about what you want, uh, just more of a general like, hey, as long as it's a DC character or something, ask them what they like to do because they will always go all out. So you know, uh, obviously Scott loves monsters and and like the universal uh, monsters and all of that stuff. So if you you know he he really did a freaking amazing job on the Solomon Grundy. Uh, for me that I that I put so having him on this this zombie story uh, was was really something cool to to see because while you're of course seeing the Justice Leaguers at least he gets to have fun in 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 a genre that he really likes to go all out in. That is and true. the uh, I didn't say it before because I was reading this the credits from the uh, the title page of the comic and not the individual story. Uh, while Brian Keen uh, did the script, Keith Giffen did the plot for this. Just FYI, folks. Yeah, I thought you meant you missed Keith Giffen, but. Um, so before we put this one down, there's several other stories in here. There's a story of like the the ghost of uh, Harley Quinn haunting some dude. Uh, there's a story where some teenage girls are playing with a Ouija board and summon the spirit of an Amazon, which is. 
Diana, Wonder Woman, and she possesses a girl and goes on a killing spree in Man's World. The first story, which is really interesting, is called Bump in the Night. Um, and bright, bright, bright. Yep, it's it's it is Brightburn uh, because Brightburn is what if the Superman story went wrong? This is the Superman story went wrong. <laughs> this is not just an analog. This is Superman story gone wrong. <laughs> um, so that, I thought that was cool. I mean, obviously with Brightburn being a thing, it, it wasn't like, it's like overly unique. Um, but it was cool to see. I thought the art was pretty good on that one. Um, so besides that one, there's a Batman story, uh, in there, which is, that's okay. I don't really feel any need to go in it. There's a green arrow story in there. Also, eh, okay. Um, there's a story in here called Unmasked, uh, which I don't remember reading. There is, the art in here is, uh, is by, uh, Tom Rainey. And I don't, I don't have any problem with the guy. It, the art looks fine and serviceable for what it is, but the art style was really not appealing to me at all. And the last story called The Possession of Billy Batson is interesting, but the art is by Howard Chaikin. And it does nothing for me, uh, so I I just had to avoid it altogether. Um, did you have any uh, ones in here uh, that particularly jumped out to you? I know you know you didn't have time to read uh, in depth a lot of it, but no, I think I think the uh, I think the Brightburn story basically was the one that stood out for me, uh, and I did like the I did like the art in that story, uh, but just you know just the idea of <clears throat> kind of like, kind of, kind of like an like an evil, an evil little Superman coming to Earth, pretty much, and just destroying it, everything it finds. Uh, yeah, I th- I thought that was that's the one that stood out. But I I thought this I thought our Green Lantern story, even though it is a Justice League story, but Hal is the focal point. I thought that story was probably one of the better stories in both of these books. So I thought that. So I'm kind, of, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of glad that there was a there was a real reason for us to do that story. For sure. Um, all right. So, Secrets of Sinister House number one. All right. Let me open this sucker up and get to the right page. Uh, let's go through the other. Damn CBR. In the meantime, let's look at the other stories we have in here. We have Red Rain, Batman, and Nightmare Mist. I did read that story. Uh, let me zoom in. Zoom in. Or not. Uh, let's see. The Atom and Footsteps of Old Worm, Harley Quinn and Zatanna, and Calling Dr. Bonkers. I didn't read that story. And with a title like that, I'm probably not really upset that I didn't. <laughs> Maybe it's good. Maybe I'm wrong. Martian Manhunter in Out of My Skin. Justice League Dark in Dreamweaver. House of the Dead, A Secrets of Sinister House original. That's the one with Dead Man. I did read that one. I, I do like that one. Uh... Green Lanterns in Fear 101, which is a story we'll be doing, and Constantine in Hell is for Dreamers. For sure. All right. So let me, yep, i got to scroll down. Sometimes you wish there was like a table of contents on this thing, like where you could cl- – like, like in a book, like right. in, a, like in a, a digital book where you just you just click on it and it takes you to exactly where you need well, to because Well, because of the issues I've been having digitally with my card and all that stuff, I actually had to convert these to PDFs so that I could read them. Which are, which is probably yeah. easier on some level to yeah. read than going to the pictures. I, yeah, I, I think PDFs are. All right, so we we begin with uh, Jessica Cruz. This is a Jessica Cruz and Simon Baz story, which is why it says Green Lanterns. Uh, 
and Jessica's sitting there in bed, waking up basically in a cold sweat. It's like my demons visit me at night. And it's like they have no name, and they hear, you know, she basically have all these weird demon-like things above her, supposedly calling call, calling her Jessica, you know, worthless burden, you weak, pathetic thing. Uh, so basically, we're playing back on just you know Jessica's own. You know, her own fears and her own anxieties, which, of course, by reading... If if you read the book, which most people, I think most Green Lantern fans did read the book, you kind of... You know, you, you, you kind of know that this is, you know, this is Jessica's cross to bear. Uh, so Simon contacts Jessica through the ring and kind of, hey, you down for, down for some breakfast? I do like the fact that they continue the pancake motif. That's something that... If you're going to continually have interaction with these characters, I guess that's kind of like their calling card now, so you, they should keep refer- referencing back to their love for pancakes. <laughs> so despite the fact that Jessica more or less says, no, I'm really not in the mood to you know, to hang out, Simon doesn't really care, and he shows up anyway to, you know, trying, to, trying to take care of her. So he, you know, he, yeah, he, brings over, he brings over... Basically, he's going to he, uh, make make breakfast for her and everything else and and you know she's just she blames it on her new anxiety meds you know so she can't she's not she hasn't really been sleeping too well but she, you know but in the meantime we have our internal dialogue talking about you know I'm a draining and destructive human being and Simon Simon's being really cool about this you know it's like you don't really have to apologize and you know he just tries to be good company and supportive and then he like he, he whips out this this box this jewelry box together and she's like well i don't do jewelry and he kind of says well that's kind of funny for somebody who basically wears a ring to work (laughs) for work every day and it's like it just open it and she's like oh the girls were selling these and it's like uh i just had to get them plus they match the suits so basically they have matching like green and white friendship bracelets let's be honest (laughs) yes yes it's it's friendship bracelets it's not it doesn't mean anything more than that it is kind of you know it is kind of uh cheesy but it makes her happy so so at least on this level simon kind of hit a home run as they're talking let you know uh the rings the ring cries out you know lantern alert code 416 uh they have to uh, retrieve survivors of the starship deimos which is interesting because that whenever i hear deimos it ties me into like uh god now i'm drawing a blank uh that damn crossover with Parallax Hal, mm. the uh, DC event with with Brainiac and Deimos and uh, it begins with the I. We had all those miniseries that were set in different time periods. Oh, because our Parallax. Um, but our our, our, class, well, our parallax, classic Parallax is still alive technically because of it. Convergence. Yes, convergence. I, I know what I, I know what I was thinking by I went off the but yes, convergence. Uh, so when I think of Deimos, that's what I really think of as a name. Uh, so mission. So tangent aside, mission retrieve the survivors of the starship Deimos. An estimated time of arrival, forty five minutes. And there's like no, it's like the last message from the crew was like uh, from 10, 10, 10 hours ago. And then of course that message is people screaming, which is exactly what you want to hear when you're flying on a rescue mission. So now we get our title page, which is Fear 101. Shay Grayson was the writer. Miguel Mendonca is the artist. Bill Crabtree, colorist. Dave Sharp, litterer. 
uh, Jessica's pointing out, it's just like, oh my god, you know, it sounds like, you know, we're about to board the ship from hell. So I'm also, so I'm, at this point, I'm kind of getting like Event Horizon vibes off of this story, which really isn't that far from the truth. Uh, and they find the ship's course, and they, and basically they're they're running, they're cutting to the chase. They, you know, they really are, they're they're kind of like living on borrowed time here because they don't have a whole lot of time to be able to find which what survivors are on the ship and get them off before the ship basically impacts and gets gets destroyed. They have like two hours and eighteen minutes to do all this. Simon and Jessica, and, and it's kind of like it's kind of funny that Simon makes the. Uh, makes this reference because it's the first thing that comes to mind. It's like, we're going to do exactly what we probably shouldn't do in a haunted ship. Split up! <laughs> so as soon as they split up, like a second later, you know, uh, Simon is like pulled through, pulled through the wall by this, by something and, and, and disappears. Right when Jessica's saying, I really don't think that's a good idea. And guess what? She's correct. So she's looking for Simon. She sees like these weird, like demon-like thing on the, on the roof of the ship. And... All of a sudden, she, she basically she starts having a pseudopathic attack. Uh, those are the beginnings of one. She, she her confidence keeps going straight into the toilet. I can't do this not without Baz. It's like as long as I can, you know, I've always as long as I can remember, I've been crippled by fear. And this is kind of a concept. I don't know if I really support the idea that the more her anxiety kicks in, the less confidence she has, the more she drains the ring. Uh, so the ring is draining faster because basically she doesn't have enough willpower and her anxiety is taking over. Uh, so we see this thing on this demon-like thing on, on the roof calling to her like coward. She, you know, she sees some blood on the floor of the ship. You know, she keeps you know fighting these things and her power level keeps dropping. You know, to forty percent and to twenty percent. You know, she she feels weak. She see, you know, there's there's more and more blood that all of a sudden becomes like this huge pool. Of, that she's standing in, then all of a sudden she's like engulfed and she like basically gets pulled into the into this pool of blood, and she you know she's just blinded by monstrous terror as she phrases it, and she keeps she keeps fighting and she's like you know this leads me to self destruction. My greatest fear is, is that is the thing that no one else can see, her, and this is where she, basically her unworthiness you know her self doubt is really her weakness. And we hear a help. We hear a help me coming from one of these monsters. As her power level goes down to ten percent, uh, <clears throat> at this point, you know she she gets the she gets the vision, which we know from uh, towards the end of their actual book, where it's kind of the vision of two of her friends that were killed in the woods. And kind of Jessica's you know origin story, for for lack of a better way of describing it. It's like you let us die, Jessica, and she's like I'm so scared, and it's like a. She's just kind of panicking, and she's like, "Oh, you're cur- cursed to watch your friends die while you leave a mini- live a meaningless life." And she temporarily snaps out of it, and she sees like Simon there. He's chained. He's he's like tied to the wall, and Jessica like makes this decision. I don't want to be the girl whose demon swallowed her whole, which seems a little too convenient for all of a sudden that to solve her problems. But nonetheless, you know she now you know she's able to use her ring now, and uh, she she frees she frees Baz, and she's like. Back off, creeps! Now all of a sudden her willpower is at 100. percent I don't, I don't get that necessarily. So she wipes out pretty much the demons and the visions of her, of her dead friends. <clears throat> and then we cut to uh, the, basically the end of the story where they're they're leaving the ship and she's like, "Baz, you good?" And he's like, "Yeah, I guess so." But what about the survivors? And she goes, "No, there were no survivors at all. You know, there's nothing left on the ship that's alive." And she, he mentions, well, what about the thing I was, you know, attacked by? And it's like, well, 
That ship was it wasn't haunted. It was corrupted by the yellow lantern I destroyed, which wasn't even in the story, correct? Um, not that you could see other than towards the end. But they're 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 referring they're referring to an actual yellow lantern power battery. So when she says when okay. she says back off creeps that page, look in the bottom corner. Yeah, I I, I saw that. So, but I when I first read it, I thought she was literally referring to a living lantern. But yes, yeah, so it's the power lantern that there's a yellow there was a yellow a yellow lantern power battery. And she destroyed the power battery, but the, it basically was the yellow lantern itself that was that was haunting and corrupting the ship, and it, and, it was, and basically it played off everybody's fears. And it's like that was created, that created everybody's nightmares on the ship. And now, of course, well, the only real casualty of this mission was there was Jessica's friendship bracelet. And it's like I'm so sorry, and she's like, "Well, you saved my ass, so we're all good." It's like, what's next? Pancakes, definitely. The end. Uh, I thought it was cool. Uh, the art uh, I thought was was enjoyable. It, it reminded me definite. I mean, I don't know if it reminded me of the the just the the Green Lanterns series proper, just because it was Jessica and Simon out on a space mission. But I thought the art was pretty close to to the series too. Like if if they were to tell this story either in a backup or in the in you know in just a you know hey the most recent arc within Green Lanterns just ended. Uh, here's the next one-shot story. I I wouldn't feel this is out of place at all. I think it I think it pretty much nailed the feel of the series. That is true. I would say that's true. Um, I thought I thought the art did look weird in some places, but I, it didn't it didn't like pull me out of the story or anything. Um. I, I thought it had a nice little horror bent. What's interesting about the stories in Secrets of Sinister House versus the DC House of Horror, I mean, even though we're, we're um, even though we're not covering everything in each each one, if you were to read all of the DC House of Horror and all of the Secrets of Sinister House, everything in DC House of Horror ends in a on a bad note for the most part. Uh, whereas everything in C- Secrets of Sinister House tends to end on a more positive note. Um, so you would almost, I mean, with these, uh, multiverse, you know, uh, uh, dark multiverse Elseworld stories that are coming out recently, you would think that DC's, um, House of Horror would almost be like a dark multiverse, uh, would have to be tales from a dark multiverse as opposed, excuse me, as opposed to just a spooky story that happens in the DC universe that I would describe, uh, these, uh, uh, these stories in Secrets of Sinister House as. That is true. That's a that is a good observation because it's 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 definitely true. They're based on the stories I read in this book. They're they are, excuse me, they're much more upbeat. So maybe that's and I think maybe that's what maybe that's what. Looking back at it now, because I did read I did read the Jessica story first, I believe. So maybe and the Dead Man story in that book. So maybe. That's what colored my perception, how I expected the, the Justice League story with Hal, maybe to have certainly more of an upbeat ending than the end of the world. <laughs> Oops. Uh, did you have any other thoughts on this particular one? Um, I liked this. I did like this story. I thought it was – there were, like I said, there were some concepts in it I'm not sure if I buy into – you can make a case that it maybe it makes sense that the power ring is going to drain more 
the less your willpower is, I guess. I don't know if I really buy it, but I, I guess the, I guess the, the real concept behind the logic behind it is that the ring has to work harder. The ring basically has to work harder because because the, because the ring bearer isn't supplying enough willpower to, to do as much of the work. So maybe the ring has to work a little harder to try to compensate. I don't know. I think it's I think that's kind of stretching it. Just like. But you can make a case that really is only because of the negative effects maybe of the yellow power battery being there, which is why once she gets her willpower back, then all of a sudden her ring comes back up to 100%. So maybe you know, maybe deep down, maybe the ring wasn't really depowering as much as she thought. Maybe that was in her head too. But it, it was something – that was a concept that was a little – and I, I did like – I did like the fact that we, we do get like – we got like a physical representation of the stuff that she deals with. Her, her internal struggle. Mm-hmm. I thought that I thought actually that was a nice touch. It wasn't, you know, which again, kind of you get more of a real, true physical manifestation of that in, on the ship because it's because the power battery is playing off her fear. But I do like the fact that at least symbolically, that's the kind of crap she has to deal with all the time when you know when she is being haunted by her by her unwor her what she perceives as unworthiness. And her and all her self doubt that that it's take it either takes this form or it feels like it's taking this form and that's what ho- that what figuratively and literally hovers over her. So I did I did like that. I thought I thought that was a I thought that was a really nice touch. Yeah. Um. I, I mean, I thought it was cool. It, you know, it kind of reminds me of and and I it's it could remind anybody of anything sci-fi just because I'm sure there's an episode like this in any really sci-fi series. But did, you, you watched Firefly, right? Oh, okay. I did not watch. So there's an episode of Firefly where they come across a damaged ship, uh, and they go to check it for any sort of survivors or whatever. Everybody's dead on the ship except for this one kid, um, and it turns out, uh, you know, there's these creatures called Reavers, and essentially they're humans, uh, but you know they've gone so mad that they disfigure themselves, and they're just basically cannibals and rapists, and like they're they're just there, they the there's a lot of rumors and stuff surrounding them that you know the um, the follow up movie to Firefly Serenity uh, clears up and explains. But essentially, the, the there's a lot of lore surrounding them. Basically, men who went to the edge of space and were drawn mad by the the emptiness, the blackness, and the fact that it just goes on. Um, but this this story sort of reminds me of that because there's uh, some horror component to that episode. Uh, so if anybody out there is a Firefly fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, this this story sort of reminds me of that. Um, you mentioned earlier when we started all this that you really you, you read like uh, read the Red Rain story. That's one of my favorites from this. Um, Yes, I thought that was a good. I thought that was a good story. Uh, that was. I thought that was really well done. Uh, that one was by uh, Raphael Albuquerque. So I mean, no, no surprise there. He did the art too. I like that they 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 um, they did the Red Rain. So they like continued the Red Rain universe, but they also introduced a new character because you know one of the biggest batman stories in the last 10 years is probably like the court of owls so they give you the red rain universe's version of talon so that was cool uh to see um and it, i thought it was fitting and like it, i mean you you have a universe made of vampire stuff like why wouldn't you tell a red rain story if you could during halloween uh plus actually the red rain pop just came out not too long ago and as well as um I don't know the company, 
But somebody just came out with a really, really cool but expensive Red Rain statue, um, which was really well done, really intricate. Uh, a, a YouTube channel I watch called Nerd Therapy did a, a review on it. Um, just really freaking cool. I, I think if you saw the statue, you'd be pretty impressed too. It looks like it's straight out. It, like it looks like Mike Mignola did it himself. So that was cool. Uh, the, the Adam one didn't really grab me that much. I, I wasn't really interested in the Zatanna Harley one. Uh, but the Martian Manhunter one was interesting, as was the Detective Chimp one. I thought that was cool. Uh, though that one was a little more zany than spooky. Um, but, you know, whatever. Dead Man one was freaking cool. Uh, essentially, guys, people buy a haunted house, move in. Um, they're affected by it. Dead man helped save them because when they decided to move out, the, that's when, I mean, they were, if they would have stayed, they would have been driven mad. But when they decided to leave, that's when all the spirits and everything inside the house decided to get violent. Uh, so dead man saves them. And the reason dead man was there is because dead man can possess people as everybody knows. But sometimes when he go and goes into a, a house like this, this haunted, the, you know, house, he, he can possess that place too. He gets stuck there. Um, like any other kind of ghost or something like that. So that's, that was cool. The Constantine one, I'm pretty sure I read, uh, I didn't read recently. Uh, I didn't have enough time to read this one, uh, in preparation for the episode, but I do remember liking that one. Just, just scrolling through it quickly. I believe that was a, a story just about talking a spirit, uh, through what happened to her and not necessarily helping her find vengeance or anything but like that, but just kind of helping her come to terms or something like that. Um, and kind of summoning the spirit that did things to her. And I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Um, but it was, that one was cool. But it, I, I, overall, I think if you were going to choose between the two and now obviously, uh, house of, uh, DC house of horror came out in 2017. So, Finding this, finding it on the stands would be less likely. But so let's say both of these were available to you, and you could only pick one. I'd say Sinister House is the way to go. I think so too. And plus, the like we, like we discussed, it's a little. It's after a while, all the dark, having all negative stories kind of gets. You know, it's hard. It's hard to take. Um, I think. I mean, even though, even the way they, the thing that I liked about the, the Dead Man story was the fact that. Again, because this is the difference. If this, if this, if this story was in the other book, it would have had a much. <laughs> you can see how the how it probably would have ended. But I like the twist on this because of the, of the fact that you know the little girl is seeing things and and she's being talked to, and then the house gets set on fire, and it's like basically you know I'm being told what to do to try to save you or whatever, however it's phrased. But it's like so you. If this was a typical horror story, you would think, oh, the house is possessing her and trying to get her to kill her parents and do all this horrible stuff. But you find out that it's Dead Man, who's who's her basically invisible friend, who's ta- who's talking to her, and he's actually doing the opposite. He's trying to help help them for the very reason that you said. He's trying to get them out of the house and to destroy the house because if not, they would have been the spirits would have been quite content to just drain them and drive them insane over time. Yeah. So I so I did so I did really I did really like that variation because it, it was it's it was the complete reverse of what you normally would get in a, in a horror movie or situations like that where the house is trying to take control of them and destroy them and you know possessing one of the kids or one of the other people 
who just moved in to get them to, you know, to kill everybody else. Or, it's, but it, but it was the it was the opposite that it. So I I I really did like that touch. Yeah, I thought I thought it was great. I mean, I, I I'm I'm glad that we we had these to talk about. The it's it's nice having these. Maybe uh, I mean I. It's a year off, so I doubt. I, I, I'm sure we'll probably talk about it a little bit before then, but maybe next year we we do deceased because there's some Green Lantern stuff in there. But um, I, that's what I was thinking we'd cover for Halloween. But I guess you know, at reading an entire six issue mini uh, before, you know, just for the Halloween episode didn't seem didn't seem quite right. And especially with the with the Green Lantern news that came out today, it's probably good that we didn't. <laughs> Yeah, I think by luck of by luck of the draw, by luck of the draw, I think it kind of it kind of worked out the right way because of the fact that there were so there really I mean normally we're lucky if we get like one interesting piece of piece of news to really you know to really discuss and today te- I mean technically there were four just two of them were related to Game of Thrones so we could just say that they're one. <laughs> But the, the stuff with the Green Lantern stuff, which is the you know more near and dear to our hearts, and then we have Star Wars, which we've talked about, and and obviously Game of Thrones, which we spent a lot of time talking about, and the fact that those are kind of all the Game of Thrones and Star Wars are actually all of them are somewhat related because of streaming, uh, because of streaming, and then because of H, of HBO and the ties to Game of Thrones and Benioff and Weiss, and so there's almost like a Six degrees of Kevin Bacon thing going on between like all, even the main topics of the news. So yeah, I think I think it worked out. It was it certainly made for a, a, a the episode was going to be fun anyway. But I think because there was so much cool, fresh, you know, hot off the press stuff to talk about, it kind of made for an even more exciting uh, recording session. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, anything else you wanted to say about any of the news that dropped today or these issues? No, the issues were good. Uh, that was a good good suggestion uh, when we first talked about it a while back to do this for this Christmas. I mean, this thing's Halloween. <laughs> I got to, I, I I I was working my way backwards from December, but I finally I finally I finally got to the right holiday. Uh, Arbor Day. Uh, so yeah, that was a good that was a good suggestion. Um, for the for the news, I think we I think we talked. I mean, it's I'm intrigued. I'm always intrigued by the stuff we're never probably going to get the real answers for. Like what I'm more, I'm intrigued about what the Benioff and Weiss and Lucasfilm problem really was, because we know it's not what they said it was. The question, or not entirely, that there's more to it. The question is what what it is. It would be it would be interesting to know that Game of Thrones is too early to know what that means because it's just I didn't read that book, so I was tempted to get it. Maybe now I'll, maybe now I will get that Targaryen book just to. An extra incentive to get the Targaryen book at some point. Sure. And the and Star and uh, Green Lantern. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, we just know they're developing it. We don't know what we don't have a arrival time yet. It's not like they said it's going to be, you know, it's going to be ready to go by May. So and Berlanti, we really didn't talk about this, so I guess this is something. Yeah, Berlanti, you know, Berlanti has kind of made a, a pretty good, decent name for himself lately. I mean, he was kind of a mixed bag of stuff, especially because he was involved in the Green Lantern movie. But he did have a mixed bag of stuff, and even though Arrow, for the most part, has fizzled out, you know, he is create, you know, basically the overseer, or certainly one of the major, major overseers of the Arrowverse, as it as it was called. Uh, which is really interesting. I just found out that I haven't, I've, as usual, I haven't watched The Flash at all. 
and I realized that now I can't. The CW's taken off my uh, on demand, hmm. so I'm really screwed now. Um, I just checked. you should you should have an. It, it, does does your smart TV have the CW app available? Oh, you're right. I could because do that's that. what I've that's you're what right. I've been doing. I'm I'm caught up on the you're flash right. Let me in terms check of that. recent the 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 first two episodes of the flash i'm caught up on batwoman oh we should talk about batwoman i finally had a chance to watch it have you seen you you said just i have i have not seen anything other than her appearance in the crossover last year in the trailer so did you think it was as bad as no um but i do get a very like early mid 2000s cw vibe from it uh not in terms of like the acting or anything like that but just in terms of Set design, um, special effects, costume, stuff like that. Uh, and I, I swear to God, guys, this isn't because it's a chick, uh, but it sort of reminds me of the Birds of Prey series, the live action series. I mean, it's not that bad in terms of in, – in, in, because, I mean, obviously the Birds of Prey series, it was it, – it's not like the superhero genre was a huge thing on TV at the time then. So they were, you know, trying to find that, find the formula and do everything. But yeah, hopefully someone out there can maybe write in and, and better clarify, you know, who, who agrees with me and better clarify what I'm trying to say here. Um, or if you don't agree with me, uh, but yeah, it, it reminds me of early mid two thousands superhero TV stuff. Uh, uh, some uh, DC, stuff that was happening on the cw like birds of prey and some of like the the oh wow they didn't spend a whole lot of money on that effect or that uh that uh costume whatever um stuff when you saw and uh, you know an episode of smallville that was past its budget <laughs> or whatever like that um so i mean it's i enjoy it i think now that because i don't think she was it episode three or four? I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it's four. She didn't get her costume, the actual Batwoman costume, until I think episode four. Um, so I, th- I think it's going to get a little bit better from there because I really did not like her in just the altered Batman costume. Um, so having her be her own identity, that's kind of cool. Um, the idea that the, the villain for the season is Black Alice, that's interesting to me we'll see if it's something that can support an entire season um but you know we'll 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 see uh black alice was a part of the whole uh because at the end of the batwoman the the prior batwoman series uh comic series when they were doing the whole ragman thing and that was the the team called the others that had like uh clayface and black alice and ragman and uh entrigan the demon and stuff like that um that was the last arc in that Batman uh, Batwoman series before the series itself was canceled. So having black Alice in there and the fact that it's a CW show and the fact that Ragman already exists in the CW verse, I'm wondering uh, it's probably slim because they, they probably want her to stand on her own and stuff like that before they start bringing in other, the, of the CD CW universe into this show proper. I mean, obviously she'll participate in the crossovers, but in terms of like, actually bringing in characters that have already existed on the other shows that we probably won't see that for a little bit, but my hope is that we'll see Ragman on this show too, at some point, just kind of given, given the fact that black Alice is a part of this, but then again, black Alice has kind of been a, a part of Batwoman's story in general for a while. So 
it's 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 probably a stretch to assume Ragman's going to come back in the game because they they did get rid of Ragman from uh, the Arrow show because he was too powerful. I mean, that's that's what they said. I mean, this this is Arrow was essentially a grounded TV show, but you you it's not like they they gave Ragman like all the powers that he's supposed to have like he does in the comics. But you essentially you almost made him like spawn. <laughs> it's sort of uh, in in Arrow. So you you placed Spawn <laughs> in uh, in Arrow, and uh, when you put him alongside Mister Terrific and and Wild Dog and Black Canary, it's like you know one of these things is not like the other. One of these things don't does not belong. As much as I love Ragman, I get why they did it because. I don't. Did you watch that season of Arrow at all? When when okay. Yeah. So how they get rid of him is the team has to deal with a nuke. They can't disarm it. So Ragman Rory uses his rags, wraps himself up in the nuke, and lets it set off. The rags absorb the power, but it sort of. Short circuits the suit somehow, so therefore Rory can't use it, and he's off the team. Now, that's not how magic works. That's not how the suit of souls works. That, that's not how any of this works. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but that's how they did it. But Ragman essentially wrapped himself up in a nuke and let it go off. <laughs> so it, they, they used that to depower the suit. But the fact that it can handle a nuke, yeah, I'm pretty sure Ragman's a little too OP for the rest of Team Arrow. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure the same would apply in the Batwoman TV show. So I'm maybe getting my hopes up there. But I did enjoy it. I don't think, I don't think it's as bad as people say, but I don't think it – it's not as good as the other CD, CW TV shows yet. I, th- I definitely see the p- potential, and just like any other TV show, regardless of whether it's an established universe or not, any TV show has to have time to find its legs. Um, but uh, I th- you know, we'll we'll see. I'll, I'll, I'm definitely going to give it the whole season. Um, so we'll we'll see where it ends by by the end of the season. One thing I started watching this past weekend, and I'm, and don't want to go too long here because we're both a little tired. But uh, this past weekend, I had to watch my sister's house and and the, feed the cat or whatever again while they were off into the Ren Fair in in Houston. And um, I just logged onto their Netflix and started binging stuff, um, you know, in between watching various football games. And uh, I watched uh, like the first season of Lucifer. Have you seen that show? No, I've I've always been tempted to try to watch Lucifer, but I've never been drawn enough to do it. I know it's on Netflix, but I've never. It's fantastic. You should watch it. I, I, I if you if if you need another recommendation to get you over the edge to try it, I really enjoy it. Uh, I I I myself was tempt was was like I don't. <laughs> I buy Arrow on Blu-ray. <laughs> I buy Flash. I buy Legends. I buy Supergirl. I buy, I buy all of these things. I don't need another TV show to watch. But I was just like, you know what? I can't watch, you know, because I've watched every TV show I have again and again and again. Same with all the movies I have. I was like, I can't. I, I, let me watch something new. And I was like, all right, what have I been tempted by? Let's see what I can look at. I was like, oh, well, Lucifer, let's watch it. And man, I was sucked in. I'm, 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 I'm really enjoying it. I got like halfway through season two. Uh, so yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I think it's really good. Uh, so since that's sort of, sort of tangentially DC related. Thought I should bring that up as well. Very nice. All right. Um, do we know what next episode is? We don't, do we? 
No, we should be. We at least should have the option if we wanted to to do the Green Lantern Dark Star stuff, Black Star stuff. That's, oh, yeah. I think that I think that does come out next week. Okay. So we do have that. We do that have that as an option. That's for sure. So. And hopefully by then I will have um, my digital and my tablet and my SD card situation all sorted out. If anybody has been uh, following that saga. Speaking of. I looked it up today just to sort of uh, put everything in my Amazon cart so that when I got paid, I could just check out. Um, the micro SD cards are actually a lot less expensive than they were at the time I bought the 128 gig uh, micro SD card that crashed on me. So I can now get a 256 gig or 512 gig one for <laughs> for basically the same price I paid for the 128 gig one couple of years ago so uh, on the plus side even though i have to replace it and i shouldn't have to doesn't matter because uh i'm doubling or tripling my storage <laughs> i guess that's one positive way of looking looking at it <laughs> for sure uh all right i guess uh without further ado we'll talk to you guys later oh shoot we should tell people where to reach us. I'm, I'm already yes, re- I was, I'm ready I was, to go to bed. I was ready, man. but if, but I was, I was, I was ready to roll with it. If it's like, a, well, up yours, everybody, and have a good night. Chad, Chad says, "Movie." Um, lanterncast at gmail dot com. The website is lanterncast.com. We are on Twitter and Facebook. Use hashtag geocast to locate us on either of those iTunes and Stitcher, people, whichever platform you listen to us on, please leave us a positive review. And last but not least, Corwin, the voicemail is 708Lantern. 708Lantern, and let us know what you think. All right, guys, we will talk to you uh, next week. Good night, everybody. Good night.